and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, where a podcast is dedicated to uh, discussing the issues of how the Bible comes to bear on family and children's ministries to help uh, churches, children's ministry leaders, and parents to minister to the children that God has put in their care. And we are excited today to have two special guests. We've got David and Sally Michael. And uh, if you know much about children's ministry, you probably have heard their name. Uh, they are... <clears throat> They've been uh, influential. The Lord has used them to uh, kind of do the things that we're talking about in this. And so they've got a long track record of faith, uh, faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, so David and Sally, we're, we're excited to learn from you in just a bit and want to find out how you're doing. But uh, first, Tony, hadn't talked in a while, so how are you doing? How was Thanksgiving for you? It was good. It was quite a fun experience. I enjoyed time in North Carolina with some family and uh, made sure to eat up as much as I possibly can <laughs> because uh, I like to get my food in. And the you know I made had to make sure that I enjoyed bacon on my last day down there because it's not really and it's not really time off unless I'm enjoying my bacon. <laughs> you do enjoy your pork. Did Let's you guys have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I did. We got to go up to uh, see my in-laws, and it was a long, long car trip, but um, it was a, a good time to see my, my in-laws and my wife, see her family, because she lives pretty far away from them. So yeah, now, a little backstory here. We tried to record with uh, the Michaels before Thanksgiving, and we encountered all kinds of technical difficulties, <laughs> and um, we, we saw their character. They were very gracious with us. Um, and uh, but you said that you guys were going to be traveling as well. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, Dave and Sally? We did. Uh, we spent the uh, time with Sally's dad. Uh, this was uh, um, it was a year ago that Sally's mom went to heaven, and so it was a bitter and sweet time together yeah. to have those memories of Thanksgiving past and to be with Sally's dad, and it was a rich time. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. So, where are that Sally? Are you from Minnesota then, or is that where you guys are from? You know, I really hate when people ask me where I'm from because I never know how to answer the question because my dad was in the Navy for 20 years, which means I moved around a lot as a child. Yeah. I will say that I spent the last 38 years in Minnesota, so that it's more home than anywhere else. Okay, great, fantastic. Well, we want to turn. Um, and have a conversation with you two just to give our listeners a little bit more uh, info on you guys in case uh, they're not familiar with you and your ministry. Uh, David serves as the pastor of Next Generations at College Park Church uh, in Indianapolis. And prior to that, he was at Bethlehem Baptist Church. And he's also, now David, I'm not sure the exact title, but Chairman of Children Desiring God, Chairman That's, of the Board. Well, uh, yeah, actually, right now I am. I was just elected uh, chairman, so I'm chairman elect of the okay. Children Desiring God board right now. So, but they they refer to me as the founder, what well, co-founder with Sally of that organization, and uh, mm -hmm. one of the board members now. Wonderful, so. praise the Lord for that. So, so. Waiting for your inauguration. Yeah. Now, how many <laughs> now how many board members are there? We have. One, two, three, four, five, six of us, and okay. so, um, and a great group of people. We're actually just being—we've only been in existence as a board for two years. Uh, we were under our parent organization, Desiring God, for since our B 
beginning back in 1998. Mm -hmm. And then just two years ago, we became our own independent organization and formed our board and are on our way to a whole different organization now. So, yeah. Okay. So the, that's exciting. Can you, could you tell us about that or is that something that, you know, it has to be hush hush for a while. Tell us about that new organization. You said it's going to be a whole new organization. Right. Okay. So, uh, part of the arrangement to avoid confusion between the two organizations now, Desiring God asked us to consider taking Desiring God out of our name. And uh, so we didn't think children would be a, necessarily a real helpful title. So, <laughs> um, and I think this is actually so. It's still somewhat of a secret. We're going to be rolling it out in um, in March. So don't tell anybody. Anybody who's listening, <laughs> please, please don't tell anybody. Let's not spoil it. Is this you in a corner listening? Yeah. But the name is Truth78. Uh, Truth colon 78. It's linked to Psalm 78, which has been yeah. kind of our signature That's cool. um, psalm. that We lay out our, our vision based on the first eight verses or so of that psalm. And so... It was, and we're committed to truth, and um, there's more we can say as the name rolls out further, but we're real excited about the identity now that's coming out. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. Well, and give a little uh, background on, on Sally as well. Sally has also been a very vital part of Desiring God, and, and I'm sure David would say a, a compliment to his ministry, and uh, she is a prolific author and has uh, authored eight books as well as uh, uh, curricula for children, and so <clears throat> she continues to devote her time to that as well. Um, so Sally, thank you for joining yeah, us as well. You. Um, you have uh, both of you have busy schedules, so we appreciate you giving us some of your time to to benefit uh, churches and and families. If you could tell us a little bit about how the two of you got involved in Next Generation Ministry. Well, maybe I'll start, and Sally, you can um, step in here. The uh, the path was really interesting. I fell in love with a woman in 1974 who was still I'm still in love with her, and uh, she was pretty passionate about children's ministry. She was a children's education or Christian education major at the college where we met, and um, and I I heard for the first time just this passion for teaching children the church and this spunky Italian who had just was very, very committed to teaching children, and it was being birthed there. And so her passion has kind of rubbed off on me over the years, and yet children's ministry was not at all on my radar. Uh-huh. I was passionate about urban ministry, trained for that, headed out to Minneapolis to get uh, more theological training, and went right from there into urban ministry, Two years into that, we started attending Bethlehem Baptist Church. We started a month after John Piper came as pastor of that wow. church, and um, and sat under his ministry. And here I am now. Uh, I was probably what twenty seven years old or so at that time. Growing up in a Christian home, going to a solid Bible Christian college, and attending a solid evangelical theological seminary and 
seen God in ways I'd never seen him <clears throat> before. The glory of God was more glorious than anything I had ever experienced of God. Uh, my whole theological paradigm changed in terms of just, um, you know, I'm working in the city trying to reach unbelievers with the gospel and thinking I could just love them enough to bring yeah. them into the gospel and realized there's this reality of the hard heart yeah. that is impenetrable <clears throat> with all the kindness and good deeds. It doesn't connect and realizing that um, this is an impossible <laughs> task. And then hearing, I mean, my whole world was changed just un coming to understand that God rules the heart. And what some would say takes all the zeal for evangelism out was the very thing that brought it into my world where realizing that God is sovereign over the heart of an individual just fueled passion for that God and fueled hope for the city and all of that. So the the concern was why why was it that I'm 27 years old with all that Christian experience and hearing about this God for the first yeah. time in my life and then we started having children so we had two children that we um, welcomed into our home beginning in 1981 so right as we were starting and going into our Sunday school rooms realizing where the where the problem was for me why it was that um, I hadn't heard of this God because we were showing our children a very different God than what we were hearing from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. So downstairs, we're hearing the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and seeing this Jesus who um, can, is able to satisfy the needs of his people. And he, he did it with a loaf and a, f a couple loaves and a fish and multiplied it to feed thousands mm -hmm. and pointing to the glory of Christ. Upstairs, we hear the same lesson. Our mm -hmm. kids are hearing the same lesson and it's about a little boy who shares his lunch mm -hmm. and you should share too because 5,000 people got fed because a little boy shared his lunch. So let's all share. Realizing that we were hiding this truth yeah. from our children. And this, over time at Bethlehem, was just burdening us yeah. because we were seeing this glorious God that was being hidden from our children because, just by the way we're telling our Bible stories. Hmm. And so that, we, if you know us, we, we do feel passionately about what yeah. we're doing yeah. and that people at Bethlehem saw that and one thing led to another and they asked us would you consider coming and leading our children's ministry and we said we would if we could use different material and we couldn't <laughs> find material to teach and uh, so I turned to my wife and I said I will teach nothing before we will continue teaching what we've been teaching our kids can you write something and, um, and so I told, remember the lunch meeting with John Piper, and I said, okay, if, here's, here's what will persuade me. Number one, can we pursue this vision in this way? Number two, I can't do this without my wife. And so 
Sally, you may want to pick up the story there. That's cool. Now, before I, you do, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, it's nice, Ben, that we never have, we've never encountered any kind of curriculum that uh, that does things like focus on uh, a, a boy helping others instead of the great God. You are blessed. <laughs> never man happens indeed. anymore, does it? So, no other curriculums have. <laughs> I understand the problem. So, I we I think we both felt similar to you at different yeah. points. But go ahead. Um, I was busy homeschooling my two girls. They were then at that time then in junior high and high school when David and John Piper hatched this idea. Okay. I said, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. My time (laughs) is after my kids are all raised. And John Piper had a very dangerous question that he asked, and that was, will you pray about it? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, how do you say, no, I won't pray about it? So I did. And I was studying the Word one day, and I came to Luke 5, where the disciples had been out fishing all night, and they came in, they hadn't caught anything, and Jesus told them to push out into the deep again and put their nets down. And Peter said, Lord, we've been fishing all night, <laughs> but at your word, I'll put the nets down. And they, and they had a great, um, a great catch of fish. Yeah. And in my heart, I knew my excuses were the same. It's not the right time. <laughs> this is not the way you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not my plan. Yeah. Um, and But at your word, I'll do it. And so I said, okay, Lord, this is not my agenda, not my plan, not my timing. But if this is what you want, I will do it. And he has brought great fruitfulness from it. Um, so I homeschooled my children, continued to homeschool my children, and worked at the church. Um, part-time and then my husband said you need to write material and I said well I don't know how to do that figuring that's the end of that I said I'll go look for something and I looked and couldn't find anything and he said well you're gonna have to write something I said well I'm gonna look some more so I looked more and I couldn't find anything and he said well you're gonna have to write this and I said David I don't know how to write children's curriculum and he said but God does you can't argue with that right you need to ask him how to do it. And so I corralled my friend Jill, who Jill Nelson, who we had talked for years on how to teach the Bible to children. And I said, listen, if I'm doing this, you're doing it with me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started. Ah, I didn't realize Jill Nelson goes all the way back to the beginning like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Wonderful. We're thankful that you did, uh, you did pray about it and the Lord has used you. <laughs> Oh, extraordinarily so, yeah. God has certainly blessed uh, many churches and many uh, children through the ministry of Children Desiring God, the ministry that you guys set about, and the ways that God has worked in your lives. So with that, uh, you know, I've kind of heard that some of the beginnings of you guys getting involved in Next Generation Ministry. So how did Children Desiring God and uh, ministries that's about to change name, as obviously you've mentioned, uh, how did it it really come about into what it is today? We were felt charged at Bethlehem with the responsibility for discipling our children, and we needed a tool to do that, and we couldn't find good tools to do that, so we made our own. Given John Piper's national and international ministry, people would call us and say, "What do you? if John's preaching the way he's preaching, what are you teaching your kids? And we said, well, we're using our own. Any way we can get it. And and just our, our investment was so much in into Bethlehem, we just said we can't be consumed with all the details of trying to 
to get this material so we can share it. And that was the vision, just how do we make it accessible to people who want to use it. And so Children Desiring God was formed as a mechanism to share. Um, now, 20 years later, you know, we're, we're, we probably look more like uh, uh, children's and uh, youth discipleship resource publishers. But uh, the heart of all of this has just been, how do we be good stewards of this material and this vision that we have and make it available to other churches who want it? Wonderful. Excellent. Well, so you and Children Desiring God, vision is very important for you guys. And so why do you think that is so important um, for ministry to the next generation? Well, I think some of it's the way I, th- I think most of us are wired, and what I've found over the years motivates uh, children's workers, motivates parents, is um, especially with the, with the discipleship of our children, is you've got to have a, a picture of where it is um, that you where where you're headed with your children yeah. what is it that you what do you want them to learn about god and how much of the bible do you want them to understand and how do you want them to to um respond when a, the first tragedy comes into their life and what what how do you want them to handle um 30 people in their church being mowed down by a gunman and yeah. where where is god in those moments and do do our kids have a theology that can handle that? So, so what we do is try to help our parents. But the, one of the ways I've described it is Psalm one twenty seven says, "Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like an arrow in the hand of a warrior, so is the children yes. of one's youth." That arrow helps me think about my job, namely to try to define that target for teachers and define that target for parents so that we're pointing our kids in the same direction. And so um, having that clear where it is that we're headed. So say, for example, what we said as parents, Sally and I, when our kids came along is we, we've got about, what was it 500 verses? 550. 500 verse, 50 verses we want our girls to know by the time they leave our home. Well, if you wait until 11th grade to pursue that goal it's never but knowing that that's our goal that affects how we do bible time when they're three-year-olds and four-year-olds um so what if if you want a child when they're adults and facing the first miscarriage in their marriage and ask the question what what theology what what understanding of suffering do we want them to have how do they want do how do we want them to understand the goodness of god in the face of suffering that affects what we're teaching our kids in preschool right now yeah so having that vision clear how do we in this in this world in which our kids are growing up in right now um, gender how, how they, what's the biblical view of yeah. gender? What's the biblical view of manhood and womanhood? How do we want our kids to think in this crazy world where, where 
uh, where, where do you find truth in the midst of that? Um, that affects how we raise our little girls and raise our little boys, and to try to get parents and teachers on the same page is crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really great, and it is so important to have that kind of vision that you guys so clearly do have in Children Desiring God, and, and clearly in your ministry, even out in Indianapolis. And uh, it's, I think it's really easy for churches to teach children. Uh, children's ministry is just kind of something for the kids, something to keep the right. kids entertained, something to keep the kids uh, having good moral lessons, rather than really caring about what is our thrust, what are we trying to accomplish. And it has to be so much more than uh, teaching them how to share right right yeah we we distinguish um for our people there's an activity orientation to children's ministry and a vision orientation so we're yeah. calling people to a vision orientation a vision orientation emphasizes where you're going and activity orientation emphasizes what you're doing yeah and so in an activity oriented realm it's just it really doesn't matter where you're headed just it's what what matters is what you're doing and it really doesn't matter what you do as long as you do something whereas we want to just be very intentional in a vision orientation realm where we're we're pointing our kids and where every activity that yeah. we do is pointing them in a direction that we want them to go I think that is so unbelievably important, uh, you know, and I think that as a way that we connect everything, it, as there's no loose ends, I think, is very clear in Children Desiring God. Everything is so connected together for a, a very clear reason, but at the right. same time, they're given individual lessons that are so helpful. Uh, now, one thing that I've been really impressed by with Children Desiring God is your guys' focus on biblical literacy. And uh, I not long ago at our church, we had a kind of a parenting seminar, and we actually used on Vimeo uh, one of your videos uh, from where you present the vision, and you have the uh, the big like tank thing that ha- that's the Bible, and <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, we might include a link to that video on the description of the podcast because <laughs> I think it's pretty helpful. But why is biblical literacy such a major focus of children desiring God? Don't they just need to learn to be nice people? <laughs> Well, I think if you read your Bible, it would be real obvious why biblical literacy is important yeah. because Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Mm. And so if we want children who have faith in God, they have to hear his word. Second um, Timothy talks about um, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So it is through acquainting, God's word is powerful. It's through acquainting children with his word that they understand his character. They know the surety of his promises. They see his working throughout um, the biblical history, and they can see that he is a faithful God, that he is a powerful God. I mean, they can they can begin to understand who God is and then begin to admire him. Yeah. And they begin to see who man is as well, and that man is in need of redemption because if you read the Old Testament, he is continually turning away from God. And you can't put your confidence in a God you don't know. No. And so um, as they see that they're, they are sinners, they also need to see there is a solution to their, their sin problem. So we really believe in biblical literacy. Um, we're in an area of profound biblical illiteracy in the church. 
we are going to raise a, uh, a generation of children who are going to be um, pushed to and fro by every wind of doctrine unless we teach them to handle mm-hmm. correctly the word of truth. It, unless we take up the challenge to, edu- to, to really teach children to love the word, to study the word, to trust in the word because of the God who wrote the word, um, they're going to be they're going to be so easily influenced by this world and yeah. will not be putting their confidence in God. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, a humorous uh, take on this. I was uh, uh, about six months back. My wife and I went on vacation with our family uh, down to Florida for like a beach trip. And I remember one night I was kind of walking. I was by myself. Uh, and uh, just enjoying the night uh, while my wife was having enjoying a card game. And, and I went to an area that had a group of teenagers. There was a group of teen girls and their, and their parents there. And as I was just kind of sitting and reading, uh, the, these teen girls were talking extremely loud. And I kind of picked up what they were talking about. And one of the teen girls, who apparently were, I think, from Alabama, they described themselves as, had mentioned that they heard this really great quote, that, uh, quote and it was, do unto others if you had them do unto yourself. And uh, they and they were debate proceeded to debate who said that you know what that uh, quote is who that quote is from and one of them I think made this a statement that it was from I think Justin Bieber one of them thought for sure it was somebody like Justin Bieber one of them thought for sure it was Oprah and the other said it you know has a, it was some great religious teacher that lived hundreds of years ago and their answer was Gandhi you know and and I think oh, they they were really the average American teenager today and. And honestly, it's knowing a lot of children's programs. I wouldn't be surprised if they even grew up in the church. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, that. Well, <clears throat> well, Sally, you talked about um, faith coming by hearing and hearing the, the word of the Lord. Um, but the Bible is a. It's ancient, and so some people it seems inaccessible. It seems so far away. It is. Is the Bible too difficult for children to understand? You know, I always think that's an odd question because we don't ask, is the Bible too difficult for adults to understand? Because on some level, the Bible is beyond human comprehension. I mean, it really is. And it is only the Holy Spirit that opens our minds and illumines us to understand the Word. And He will do the same thing for children. Now, children aren't going to absorb everything. They're not going to understand everything that's in the Word. But then, we don't either. Yeah. But they will absorb what the Holy Spirit helps them to understand. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm constantly amazed at the, the insights that sometimes children have. To, to, to my surprise, insights that I haven't had that little children sometimes have. And, and I just think God is so faithful that when his word is sown in the minds of children, he brings it, um, he brings it to their hearts. And he helps them to understand it. And an example of this is we had a little girl in nursery. So she was less than two years old. And she was. we have what are called the foundation verses. And we teach them in nursery. And they're just the simple first verses that children learn. And she learned the verse uh, from Matthew 6, 24a, no one can serve two masters. And, you know, at two years old, it's barely intelligible yeah. what she's saying. But she learn no one can serve two masters she moved up to the preschool class at three years old and uh, partway through the year she heard the story um, about um, Nebuchadnezzar telling Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that they must about this law that they had to bow down to the idol 
And so the teacher was talking about this idol and asked, should they bow down to the idol? And this little girl got very agitated. And finally, she just, I mean, it looked like her body was going to explode. She finally jumped up and she said, they can't, they can't because of that verse. And she pointed to the verse on the wall and they all have symbols, which she couldn't read, but she recognized the symbol. And the verse she pointed to was, no one can serve two masters. Now, that is beyond a three-year-old understanding, but it is not beyond the work of God, who uses the faithful efforts of his people to sow his word into children and uses it to convert the soul and and transform the mind. And I, I I, I just think we need to fill our children up with as much Bible as they possibly can. We can, because, you know, the trips, Ted and Margie trips say, we give our children big truths to grow out into rather than light explanations to grow out of. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when you teach children like the catechism, those are big truths. But I'll tell you that they sink deeper and deeper into your soul as you meditate on them and think about them and then really understand little by little what they mean. Yeah. So we're going to give them these big truths that little by little the Holy Spirit is going to use. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, that is really wonderful, and I think it is so important to teach. You mentioned even at those young ages, and I think it's unfortunate that so many churches really kind of avoid doing anything akin to teaching to very young children. You know, I, I think many churches that I've been near and around that will treat the infants and toddler nurseries is just kind of a playtime exclusively. But, you know, the way that you're able to point out how, I mean, the children in your church, you know, that little girl was able to benefit and able to bring back up that passage that she learned when she was very, very young. It's it's just really exciting and important. You know, Tony, just one aspect of that. So in our nurseries, uh, we, we begin actually with infants um, it's not a curriculum-based program there, yeah. but it is a it is a prayer-based program. So we're not there just holding and rocking yeah. children, but what Sally just described as this is a work of the heart, the Holy Spirit, and that work begins in infancy. And so we see our nursery ministry as um, vital for our discipleship effort because in those early years we're we're tilling that soil of that heart through the power of prayer and so when you pick up our kids pick up your child in our nursery you see um, there's a little checklist uh, fed changed snack prayed for that's cool as the checklist of our so of our our nursery workers that's on the agenda of what they have to what we would like them accomplish in the in the nursery hour and then we start teaching them simple truths like god is big yeah Uh, god can do anything um god is good jesus is my friend very simple phrases that we just repeat over to the children and and even go over and point to them they're on charts and say god is good oh we love god he is so good just simple truths like that and then we teach them actual actual stories very very simple stories and we teach them memory verses now do they catch everything probably not but do they catch something yes yeah. and and i i think part of the problem in churches is they're so afraid of children becoming bored mm-hmm. and so you know you can't just sit down with the bible because they're going to be bored well, you know uh-huh. what? The Bible is not a boring book. Yeah. I mean, 
God takes coins out of fish's mouth and opens the Red Seas and spits has has a, a, a big fish swallow a prophet. There's nothing boring about the Bible and there's nothing boring about our God. And children love to learn and we just need to make it accessible to them and teach them in a way that that is understandable for them and, and involves them. I mean, sometimes children are bored because we speak at them rather than including them mm-hmm. in the ch- teaching. But we ask them questions. We ask them to look at scripture passages. We get them involved and it's interactive and they become part of the learning process. Amen. So, amen. So with that, you know, especially with getting them involved in that kind of way, you know, I want to ask the question, how do we saturate children in the Bible? Well, uh, this gets to your uh, tank image that you saw in that one mm-hmm. video clip. So I have this Bible that I made with a tank inside that's full of water. And and this image of Bible saturation would be a vision statement, a vision image. So we put before our parents, before our kids, and before teachers, let's raise a generation that's saturated with the Word of God, which means you, so we take this sponge, stick mm-hmm. it down into the Bible, and and pull it up, and it's saturated with water in this case. Yeah. But then we talk about, so when, when this child is squeezed by adverse, adversity, out comes Bible. Yeah. And when they're pricked by Satan's arrows that wants to defeat them and undermine their faith they bleed bible and when they sleep we want them dreaming bible Mm -hmm. and um so in all of life we want them so their minds and their hearts so saturated with this word that it influences everything that they do it influences the way they think it influences the decisions that they're making the conclusions that they come to, uh, we want them all to be influenced by the Bible. And so the picture is, over these first 18 years of life, let's just pack as much Bible as we can into those little brains that are like sponges, mm-hmm. just soaking it up. I mean, a, a child can memorize way faster than I can and yeah. retain it. Um, I, if you were at our conferences, I do this little, both Sally and I recite these childhood poems that I have not worked at all to memorize the uh, Beverly Hillbillies theme song mm-hmm. in the beginning, but it's just it's drilled into my head. I doubt if I'll ever forget it until I'm <laughs> senile or something, but um, but it's just amazing what children, if they learn it and memorize it in childhood, it is often retained for a lifetime, and that's what we're after. Well, I think Ben and I are fortunate not to have memorized the Beverly Hillbillies theme <laughs> song. Well, would, would, would you like me you to share that? <laughs> I'll pass on that. All right, all right. You know, we actually teach four principles for saturating children with the Bible. And the first one sounds so obvious, and yet it really isn't done. Mm-hmm. And the first one is just use your use the Bible in Bible teaching. Yeah. And that, that sounds like, well, that's, that's so obvious. <laughs> but what do we do? We pull out a quarterly. We pull out a Bible story book. We oh, pull yeah. out whatever, and we, and we tell them about the Bible. But we, how often do we open up the Word and observe the text and ask them questions about the text? So the first thing is just use the Bible with children. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is to teach the whole counsel of God because what you see so often happening is children are told the same Bible stories 
over and over again. So they know all about Noah and the ark, animals. They know the you know the this feeding of the five thousand. They know they are familiar stories that they know, but there are vast portions of the Bible they are never acquainted with. I mean, what did what happened in the book of Judges? <laughs> I mean, children need to know that. And um, what what was Paul's missionary journey? What were they all about? What was he doing? You know, there's just so much of the Bible that they need to they need to know the whole counsel of God, and they need to know that God is not just loving, but He is also powerful, and He is also just, and I mean all the attributes of God, not just a few of them. And then thirdly, teach true doctrine, and that that means we teach what is really true, and and so often inadvertently we end up teaching children theological untruths. Um, for example, um, Jesus called the disciples because he needed helpers. Well, what picture does that give them of Jesus? He is needy. Yeah. He, he's so needy, he needs children to help him. You know? yeah. so we, and, and instead of, which Acts 17, which says um, that God who made the, the world and everything in it is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Oh. I mean, it's very clear in Acts 17 that God is all-powerful and doesn't need man at all. He's not served by human hands, mm-hmm. um, because he himself gave life and breath and all things to mankind. So, um, so we want to teach what's true, and 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 be careful. Be really careful about how we explain things to children and make sure it's accurate. And then fourthly, inspire them to memorize the word. Thank you for joining us for this special episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. This has been part one of a two-part interview with David and Sally Michael. The second episode will be posted one week from the original posting of this episode. In the meantime, we strongly encourage you to listen to previous episodes. We're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher, on YouTube, we are on Spreaker, as well as iTunes. The On any of those sources, we encourage you to listen in, give us a like, a review, especially a review on iTunes is very helpful for for us to be able to reach more people with the message of family discipleship. And I also want to tell you that we will be doing a special thing to this week with this podcast. If you share on social media, Facebook or Twitter, this episode or the second part of the interview that will come next week with the hashtag TFMCDG. TFMCDG, that's Theological Family Ministry, Children Desiring God, but a lot shorter, of course. You will be entered in for the possibility of winning a book, Sally Michael, and we will be messaging you if you win that opportunity. Thank you so much, and we hope that God is blessing you through this.